Hi, my name is Rhiannon, and if you haven't met me, I call myself the crazy busy mom of four. There's kind of a reason for that. I'm not crazy, but I am crazy busy. Like I said, there's four kids and a husband. Welcome to my podcast. I'm so excited that you've decided to join me on what I hope is going to be a weekly bout of encouragement, maybe funny stories, or something to just encourage you as a mother or as a wife, or maybe just to make you feel like you're not alone. So I'm so excited that you're here with me today, and I hope that you enjoy my podcast. So today I was inspired to share with you that time my son was diagnosed with depression. And I don't say that lightly, um, as though the title might, might seem, but last night I got to watch my son give a presentation on a project that he created. So he created this project called the Depression Project 2, and you can check it out on Instagram. It's just at the Depression Project 2, and also on Facebook by the same title. And I'll do another podcast about that specific um, project later, but today I'm going to talk to you about when my son was diagnosed with depression. So let me set the scene here. It's a Friday afternoon. I have not had a shower in two days. And I am exhausted and I'm getting ready to go to small group. And so I gather up my towels and get ready for a shower so I can just like feel better, just get my, my night going. Stephen and I had planned to head to small group. We lead a a small group, a Bible study. And, um, Tristan, our 10 year old son at the time had been going through some stuff at school and we had had great contact with his school, great community with his school. Um, and he had needed to talk to his therapists quite a bit that week. And so on Friday, his therapist calls to check in and I think, okay, cool. Um, I give Tristan my phone. I think, all right. I'm going to give him my phone. He's going to talk to the therapist. We're going to get to go. I'm going to hop in the shower. We're going to go to small group. Everything's going to be great. And so Tristan talks to his therapist and brings me back the phone. And I, I talk to her and she tells me, yeah, I think that Tristan is in crisis and you're going to need to take him to the emergency room because he's expressed to me that he wants to end his life and um, he has a plan for how he's going to do that. Mic drop right there. Like literally all of the life was like sucked out of me. It didn't come as a 100% surprise. I won't say that, but I will say that I, my world was turned upside down in that instant. And so I remember walking outside telling my husband, we have to take Tristan to the hospital. And so we have three other kids and Steven decided to stay home and kind of get them situated and I took Tristan to our local emergency room and explained the situation and we were so blessed to get to talk to and get to interact with um, a nurse whose specialization was actually um, patients with mental health issues. And so he was so great with us and so great with my son and the emergency room was so great. And where we live, um, 
we don't live near a hospital. We do. It's about 45 minutes away, but um, we don't live near a hospital that services our insurance. And so we had to go to another hospital and we waited there for a while and talked with doctors and, you know, waited for a place and a facility to have a bed available for Tristan. And so we waited and my sister was super great and came and visited and brought Tristan some dinner. And through this time, like, it's just a really tough time because it's not like, oh, your son is sick in the hospital. He has a flu or he has pneumonia or, or something simple that you can just give an immediate name or diagnosis to. And you can tell people and you can ask them to start praying for you. This was so different. When you are experiencing and battling mental health, it's just so different. And I I didn't know who to tell, who to not tell. I just, I was just so lost. And so I'm sitting there with Tristan. It's Friday night, haven't taken a shower. I'm exhausted and they're still looking for a bed at a treatment facility to put him in. So we wait and wait And then our insurance decides that they would like to transport him to a hospital that, um, that services our insurance. And so they come and pick him up and, um, we, we head to that hospital and it's overnight and gosh, I just remember I wasn't leaving him because I knew when it was time, when the facility found a bed for him that I would have to leave him. And so I just remember being so exhausted and we played games and we talked and, um, you know, it was really interesting. It's like the minute Tristan knew that he was going to go to a facility, it was like a huge weight had been lifted off his shoulders and he felt like he was going to go somewhere where he was going to be safe. And I was, I remember thinking how bittersweet that was that he finally felt like he could be in a safe place. And, um, that was just tough. And so we played games and, when we got to the hospital, um, while we were still waiting transport to a facility, oh, it was the worst. Like I crawled in bed with him and I just tried to sleep with him and talk to him and spend time with him. And I, I didn't get much sleep and I was exhausted. And so we've been now in the emergency room at two hospitals for almost 24 hours. And it's, it's Saturday now. And man, I'm so tired. And so Steven comes down to the hospital and we were able to switch out and he knows I need to go home and I need to shower. And we still don't have any word as to whether or not Tristan's um, going to be going to a facility. They haven't found a bed for him yet. And so we're just kind of, you know, taking this minute by minute. And so he comes back to the hospital and tells me, okay, you can go home and you can shower and take a nap and I'll, I'll hang out here with Tristan. And then you know, we'll go from there. And as much as I didn't want to leave him, I was so exhausted. And, you know, we had three other kids that also needed us at the same time. And so I decided that I would go home. So I drive the 45 minutes it takes to get home. And the whole way home, I'm just praying for Tristan. I didn't cry. I didn't I just prayed the whole way home. I just prayed for his little heart and I prayed for what he was about to experience in the facility. And I prayed for my heart as his mom and I prayed for our family and I just prayed for 45 minutes. And then I got home 
and my other kids were there and they were still doing well. Um, I talked to them for a few minutes just about where things were at with Tristan. And then I was like, I should really take a shower. And I, <laughs> I did not take a shower. I was so exhausted. I, like I said, this is one of the most exhausting times in my life. And so I went and laid down and I thought, okay, I'm gonna lay down for an hour. And I set my, my alarm for an hour later. And then I'm going to get up and I'm going to shower and then maybe I'll try to sleep again. But I just needed a little bit of rest to get me through. And so I lay down and I'm scrolling through my phone. I'm just looking at mundaneness just to kind of get my mind off things so I can fall asleep. And my husband calls and he tells me they have found a facility for Tristan and that they're going to transport him and that I needed to try and get back there as soon as possible um, because they weren't going to wait for me to come back to be able to say goodbye or anything. They were going to take him whatever transport got there. And so I jump up immediately and I go to Starbucks because I'm so tired. And again, I've got to drive 45 minutes to this hospital. I'm so tired. And so I got, um, I kid you, no joke, six shots of espresso because I just didn't know what the rest of the afternoon, evening held for us. And so I get that and, excuse me. I get that and then I I start driving and I call my husband and he tells me the name of the hospital that Tristan's going to go to and I hang up and I just think, okay, so I I called that hospital and I'm crying at this point. I'm actually crying and I just ask them like what my son could have. That's all I ask because I, I couldn't even come up with any other questions that I wanted to ask about the facility. I just wanted to know the things that he could have. And so I found out then and there that there was only one hour a day of visiting time. And that when they came to pick up Tristan, um, it was just an ambulance. So it sounds like it's kind of scary. Like they come to pick you up, but it was just an ambulance. He just rode in an ambulance right on the gurney and it was not scary. Um, but they, picked him up and they said that, you know, once they pick him up, that would be it. They would call us later that evening once, you know, they got him and all the paperwork and stuff like that. And I just, I remember thinking like my memory about this time is just so vivid. I just remember thinking like, wow, like he's going to ride on this three hour ride to the hospital and I'm not even going to be with him and I'm not going to be with him when he checks into the hospital and that was so beyond anything that I could comprehend I mean I don't let him walk around the store by himself and here I am having to let him go on his own and that was really scary for me and so I cried the whole way to the hospital and I'm just begging God that I will make it there before they come to transport him so I can say goodbye to him because I just want him to know that I love him and that we are going to do whatever it takes to help him. And I'm praying and crying and by the grace of God, I made it to the hospital and I am now super jittery because I drank all that coffee. And so I get there and I get there with about 10 minutes of time. And so I just get in the bed with Tristan And I sit there with him and talk to him and we play a game and, oh, I thought I could record this without getting emotional, but clearly not the case. And anyways, I tell him goodbye 
that I love him, that I will see him as soon as I am able to. And so they come, they pick him up. The EMTs that took him were so great and so kind with him. And, you know, I'm trying to put on a brave face because, of course, like, you know, I'm I'm scared, but I want him to be brave too. And so we say goodbye to him and they wheel him off. And Stephen and I are just left standing there. And it was the most interesting feeling in the world. I can't describe it as a bad feeling. I can't describe it as... I don't know. It was just interesting. Our son had been taken off to another hospital and there was not anything that we could do about it. And we knew that where he was going was going to be the best place for him. So it's not like we thought that it was not going to be a good thing for him. It is exactly what he needed. But it was just so weird to think, okay, well now what? And so we drove home and we talked and... Um, we went home and I finally, uh, got in the shower. I finally took a shower and I was so amped on coffee because I'd had all those shots. And so, um, Steven is exhausted and he goes to lay down and he goes to sleep. And I think, well, what am I going to do? And so my oldest daughter and I, we serve at our church on Sunday nights, Saturday night. Sorry, it was a Saturday, Saturday nights. And so I decided, I was like, well, you know what? There's no better place to be than at church. And so we went to church and we served and we were able to share with our pastor, our children's pastor, our children's uh, program director, and just kind of share our hearts with them as to where Tristan was and where we were as parents and stuff. And it was just such a great time. And so that was the start of our week of, you know, um, trying to figure out what's going on with Tristan and how can we get him into a stable, strong spot and how can we, how can we best help him? Um, I want to like go into real quick right here that Tristan had been in and out of therapy and he's been dealing with some issues and stuff like that. And so this didn't come out of nowhere. Um, but it definitely was still kind of a shock to us. Um, that it had gotten this escalated this quickly, especially because, you know, you think someone who wants to end their life by suicide, you think that there's like a, a trauma that they've experienced or a bad life or, you know, maybe a missing parent or, and, and that's not the only reason, but, you know, Tristan came from a good home with a good support system with people that love him more than anything. And it just is how his brain is chemically made. He has a chemical imbalance. And so it's not like anything we really could have done would have prevented this. And so I just want to preface with that. And I also want to say, like, Stephen and I are not mental health experts, clearly. But we do love our son. And this is just our journey with him. So now we're at the point where Tristan has gone to the hospital and Stephen and I are left alone. And so, like I said, I went to church, Stephen went home and went to sleep and took a lot of time to really process what was going on. I know that there was a lot of time when we were waiting in the hospital and waiting in the emergency room to start processing that, but it wasn't until he actually left that we were able to. So Tristan went to the hospital and we were able to see him the next day. This is where it gets kind of tough. 
So the hospital that Tristan was in only allowed visitation for one hour a day. It was from 1230 to 1.30. And it was at a hospital in Los Angeles. And if you know anything about Los Angeles traffic, it's the worst. So we're literally in the car on the worst possible days. Not the worst possible days. The worst possible times trying to go visit our son. And we would go visit him. And it was awkward. Like, you go into this room that's filled with other children. And you just kind of sit at this table and stare at each other because you both know why you're there and you both know the situation that you're in, but it's awkward. And how do you really talk about it? And how do you really express your feelings, especially since the whole process is so emotionally charged? You know, there's a little bit of anger and frustration on our end as parents because we feel like we failed our son, that we should have done better, that we should have never gotten to this point. There's sadness for the same reason. Um, There's sadness because never would you ever want your son to feel like ending his life is the best option or the only option. There's confusion because you don't know what steps you're going to take next. And so you get an hour and it's just, it's hard. And so we just played games during that time. We played some Connect Four and we played Uno and just all the small things that you can do to reconnect. And so I just remember spending those drives to and from the hospital and it was so exhausting. It was so hard to just function let alone, um, you know, be active parents to our other kids. And, you know, a lot was going on during that time. The Monday after Tristan went into the hospital, Arcadia was taking her driver's test. Arcadia um, was our 16-year-old daughter at the time, and she was taking her driver's test that Monday. And we were trying to keep things as normal as possible for Phoenix and Ireland, our other kids, because... You know, it does throw the whole family off, but at the same time, the other three still deserve just as much attention as Tristan was getting. And that was really hard when we were spending six hours of our day driving in traffic and then another hour visiting Tristan and it just, it was hard. And so I'll go into his hospitalization in more details about that later, but when he got out, Um, we spent some more time with his doctors, um, working closely with them and they decided to give Tristan a diagnosis of depression. And that was hard to swallow, even though we knew it was coming. It wasn't something that was like far-fetched. It was something that could absolutely be possible. And so he got this diagnosis of depression and it was okay, well now where do we go from here? And a lot of it, you know, we needed to include Tristan on. He was 10. He missed school. He missed a lot of school. Um, How was he going to explain this to his teachers and to his friends and things like that? And although Tristan's school was amazing, we had um, contact with him the entire time. His teachers were fantastic. His principal was just 
one of our biggest supporters. And so we were so lucky when it came to that. But still, we had to help Tristan like transition back into real life. And that was a tough process. Um, And so from that is where he started the depression project. And actually, later on this week, I'm going to record another podcast of Tristan talking about the depression project. And that was how he kind of started to work through things. And I don't want to say that now, like, oh, everything's great. Um, He's doing well on medication. He's cured because it's something that will never be cured. There are up days and there are down days. And there are days when we struggle and days when he is completely successful. And it's so it's important to realize that it's it's not a never ending thing. Just because Tristan is out of crisis doesn't mean that his depression is over. There's still times when he finds himself struggling to find the words to describe his emotions. And that's something that we work on every day and really breaking that down and trying to figure out how to say, I feel embarrassed. I feel awkward. I feel angry. I feel sad. And, and going through those emotions. And so I really just wanted to record this because I wanted to encourage you as a parent, if you are the parent of a child who is diagnosed with depression, or if you have found yourself in that same waiting room where I was, or if you have found yourself lost and confused and upset and angry and not knowing what to do, I've been there with you. And I promise that you can get through it. That doesn't mean you'll get through it without crying. I cried more than I thought was humanly possible while Tristan was in the hospital. I've cried more times since then. But at the same time, I've laughed a lot of times. And I'm so thankful to see where God has brought Tristan from his depths of despair and wanting to end his life to this place where he now sees hope and he has a desire to reach out and encourage others and to love others. And so I want you to know that you're not alone. I also want you to know that you can always contact me. You can DM me on Instagram. You can find me on my blog, um, crazybusymomofour.com or on Facebook, all at crazybusymomofour. I hope that through this, you understood where my heart was from and that you understand that more than anything, I just want to share your burden if you find yourself in this place. I also hope you know that I'm always super willing to pray with you and to pray for you. Just drop me a message. Next time on my podcast, Tristan is going to get interviewed and he's going to explain his side of hospitalization.